I want you to think back to your elementary school days. And if you can remember what it was like to be in elementary school. Back when I was in elementary school, this may surprise you, I was a short, skinny, pasty little kid. And I had a cowlick. And so there's this little piece of hair in the back of my head that I always stick up. And I used to try and put as much gel and hairspray on that thing. And it would stick up just like that little guy, Alfalfa from The Little Rascals. But when I was in elementary school, one of, my, one of my favorite days of the week was library day. So I went to Robertson Elementary School here in Yakima. And, and when we would go to library day, there was always one section of books that I would always go to. This was my go-to section. And I read some great books there. It was the oddity section. All right. So I learned about all sorts of true things. I learned about the Loch Ness Monster. He's real. Locky. Uh, I learned about Bigfoot. Again, just look at all these books. This is great. There's this one day I went to the oddity section, and there was a new book there. And I was like, oh, this is exciting. It, it, it was called The Leaning Tower of Pizza. And so immediately I thought, this is rad. Like, like a leaning tower, like, like what greater book for a boy to read than reading about a leaning tower of pizza? Well, maybe you're familiar with this term. It's actually not pizza. It's a leaning tower of Pisa, uh, which looks like this. This is a tower that was built in the 12th century um, to be a uh, bell tower for a Catholic church there in Italy. This tower is 185 feet tall. And so they built this tower. It took them, I don't know, uh, 50, 60 years to build this tower. And as they started building this tower, something happened. The, the soil that they were building on, they realized it was softer than they thought. They realized they didn't build their foundation deep enough. And so this tower began to tilt. And as they're building this tower, they're trying to do everything they can. How can we fix this foundation? How can we, how can we, how can we fix it? So they started, even though the tower started to lean, they started trying to build the, the top stories up, you know, so it would be vertical. And they just couldn't get it right. And so this uh, leaning tower of Pisa has stood there for 800 years, leaning 17 feet off where it's supposed to be. And it kind of gives us an idea that foundations are important. When you are building a house, when you're building a tower, when you are building a life, foundations are important. You want to have a strong foundation because if you do not have a strong foundation, we know that when the storms come in life, that structure is going to blow over. It's going to fall down. It's going to crumple to the ground. So if you have a Bible, with that in mind, I want you to open your Bible to Matthew chapter 7. Uh, if you have a, a phone, you can pull out your phone, your iPad, uh, some great apps with the Bible in there. Uh, if you need a, a, a Bible, we've got an usher in the back. We can come and bring one to you. Uh, Matthew chapter 7, we are at the end of what's called the Sermon on the Mount. We said when we began this series that this was the greatest sermon ever told, and it wasn't told by me, and it wasn't told by any other famous preacher. It was told by Jesus himself, and he's, he's told us all sorts of great things. He's taught us what it looks like for us to live in the kingdom of God. He said, if you're going to be a Christian, if you live in our part of the kingdom of God, this is what should dictate your life. The last couple of weeks, we've been dealing with Jesus' point of application. He said, listen, you, you've heard all this stuff. I've told you what it looks like to be a part of the kingdom of God. And now Jesus says, hey, what are you going to do with it now? And today, Jesus is going to tell a story. He's going to tell a story about two houses. 
He's going to say, these houses look immaculate. They look beautiful. But he said, I want you to look past the house. I want you to consider the foundation. He says, foundation is important. You want to know know why? Because life happens. Life happens. And difficult things happen. No matter how much we try and insulate our life from hardships, life happens and it tests our foundation and exposes our faults. And in the story that Jesus is going to tell, there's going to be one house that crumbles down to the ground because its foundation is not strong. There's going to be another house that stands strong in the midst of the storm. And what Jesus wants us to know this morning is that when we put God's word into action, that is what determines the strength of our foundation. When we put God's word into action, this is what will determine our foundation. So if you have a Bible, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Uh, If you would stand up with me as we read God's word, Matthew chapter 7. We're going to read verses 24 through 27. You can follow along in your Bible. Uh, The words will be on the screen behind me as well. And, And this is what Jesus would say to us this morning. He says, everyone who then, uh, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. And that's God's word for us this morning. God, we just come before you today and just thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are faithful to us. We're thankful that you are so concerned about us, that you would give us your word, that you would give us this Sermon on the Mount to understand what it looks like for for us to be a part of your kingdom. And God, we just come before you right now just to uh, help us to consider our foundation. That God, we would consider where we are with you. We would consider what the foundation of our life really looks like. And God, I pray that Restoration Church, this would be a place where people's foundation is built on you. So God, I pray that you would uh, help us to evaluate our hearts, to evaluate uh, who we are inside, that God, you would speak to us and that you would draw us into a, a deeper love of you today, Jesus. We ask for your presence on us now. In your holy and precious name, amen. Go ahead and, and be seated. So here again, this is the context. Jesus has come to the end of the Sermon on the Mount. He's saying, hey, in light of all of these things that I've told you about, in, in light of what it looks like to live as a part of the kingdom of God, in light of the fact that Jesus said, remember, there are those two gates. There's the, the wide gate that leads to destruction and the narrow gate that leads to eternal life. In light of the fact that Jesus said there's two types of trees. There's a tree that produces good fruit, healthy fruit. And there's a tree that produces uh, bad fruit. A fruit that looks good on the outside, but the inside is, is poisoned. It's deception. Jesus gives us one final warning. He says, listen, there are two men. There are two builders. There are two houses. There's going to be one storm and there's two results. So let's jump in. Here's his final warning. And he's going to give this warning to to every one of us here today. Look what he says in verse 24 and verse 26. Jesus says in verse 24, everyone who hears these words. And in verse 26, he says, everyone who hears these words and does not do them. Jesus is talking to everyone. In fact, if you look at the original language, when he says everyone, it means everyone. Okay, this is a uh, universal application here. 
everyone fits into one of these two categories. There's one category of a wise man who hears these words and acts upon them. And there's, there's a second category of people of a foolish man who hears these words and doesn't act upon them. And Jesus is saying everyone falls into one of those two categories. There's not a third category or maybe in the middle ground. No, there's two categories of people. And this is a universal application. And just as we think about this term, Jesus calls one group of uh, uh, the first man a wise man, uh, the second man a foolish man. I want to just uh, pause for a second and just talk about being wise. Uh, this summer, I'm excited for where we're going as a church. We're going to be able to deal with wisdom. Uh, we're going to be in the book of, of Proverbs trying to say, God, would you give us wisdom for living? The book of Proverbs is a great book, a book full of just amazing truth. And this summer, we're going to have a chance to look at principles of wisdom that touch so many different areas of our life. Uh, principles that, that deal with, with relationships, principles that deal with uh, work and, and our marriage and our finances and our parenting and our words and our friendships and all areas of our life. And I think it's going to be a great series for God to really to stretch us and give us additional wisdom as to how God designed life to work best. So that summer, that, that's where we're going. We're going to deal with how do we become a, a wise man, a, a wise woman, a wise teenager, a wise person. But here in Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says that there's these two categories of people. There's, there's the wise man and the foolish man. And you notice what both these two people are doing? Scripture says both of them were building houses. Both of them have set to the business of building a house. And if you were to look at their houses, it's almost like those houses could be side by side. Because they look pretty identical. It's kind of like you're going through uh, a housing development and you're like, man, those houses look similar. And that's what Jesus is saying. There's these two builders who are building these houses that look very much the same. These are, are houses. They're three-car garages. There's four bedrooms. There's one and a half bath. They've got a fresh coat of paint. The, the, the yard is, is wonderfully manscaped, uh, unlike mine. It just looks great. Uh, uh, and he says these houses, they're, they're building these houses. Now, of course, this story really isn't about houses. Of course, the story is really about lives. The story is about your life. The story is about my life. The story is about every one of us are, 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 are building something. Every one of us in here, whether or not we realize it or not, we are building something. We are building a life. And we might not even recognize it, but step by step, stone by stone, decision by decision, day by day, minute by minute, you and I are all building a life. And I want us to stop and think about that because every one of us is building something. The question is, what is that foundation to what we are building? Because we could just go through life and we could just make decisions like, hey, I'm just, I'm just building my life. I'm just doing this without recognizing, hey, if I don't have a strong foundation to this, at some point, the storms are going to come. At some point, the wind's going to blow and the rain is going to come down and it's going to expose how strong that foundation is or whether or not there's a foundation at all. And Jesus wants us to recognize foundations are important. It's something that we need to, uh, it would be wise for us to consider what the foundation is built upon. So Jesus says, there's these two men. They look very the same. They, they, they go to the same church. They probably sing the same songs. Their kids go to the same schools. Uh, they do a lot of the same things. Well, what's the difference between the two guys? And here's what Jesus would say the difference is. Verse 24, it says, The wise man 
hears these words of mine and does them. In verse 26, the foolish man hears these words of mine and does not do them. See, the difference between these two guys, the difference between the wise man and the foolish man, all comes down to how they respond to God's word. How they respond specifically to the Sermon on the Mount, uh, but practically how they respond to God's word. This is a response that determines whether they are on the narrow road or whether they are on the wide road. Their response to God's word shows whether their faith is rooted in a relationship with Jesus Christ or whether their faith is rooted in themselves. I mean, this is something that Jesus has been hitting uh, the last couple weeks. That, that just hearing God's word, hearing the Bible is not enough. Reading the Bible is not enough. Coming to church and hearing good sermons is not enough. Admiration for who Jesus is and, and believing the truths that you hear is not enough. Memorizing God's word is good, but it's not enough. Preaching God's word, singing about how great God is, is not enough. Celebrating what you hear is not enough. Jesus says, listen, the key is you must act upon what you hear. You've got to be doing it. You've got to obey what's written. It's not enough for us just to hear. It's not enough for us just to believe. We actually have to take the things that we are hearing and put them into action. Now, I know some of you that have been, been around Restoration Church for a long time, you're, you're saying, hey, hey, wait a second. What about, I mean, I thought we were a gospel-driven church. Like restoration, our culture is that we, we, we talk about the gospel, we, we believe in the gospel, we preach the gospel. And the gospel says that we are saved by grace alone. That there is nothing that we can do to earn God's approval. Right? That's what the gospel would say. In fact, we sang a song this morning. We said, this is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. That Jesus, you laid down your life. So that I could be set free. Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Notice I didn't sing that because I love you guys too much. And I don't want to put you through that. But that song, yes, amen, it is all good. It is all true. We, we are a gospel-driven church. And that is what we are believe. We believe that we are saved by grace. However, when you read the Bible, there's this, there's this tension. There's this relationship between faith and works and how these things go together. In fact, there's a guy by the name of Martin Luther who apparently loves Christmas. He said this. Martin Luther said, we are saved by faith alone. But the faith that saves is never alone. Giving us this idea that, that if we place genuine faith in Jesus Christ, that our genuine faith is a working faith. That a, a faith that saves blossoms into obedience. These things go together. That when we are saved by faith, and faith alone, that faith produces obedience. That faith uh, blossoms into obedience. So no, your works won't save you, but your works are an evidence that you have experienced the grace of God in your own life. And Jesus is being clear, hey, this is the difference between a wise man and a foolish man. This is the difference between a wise person and a foolish person. A wise person hears the word of God receives it, and he acts upon it. And a foolish person, man, they hear the word. 
They believe the word. They accept the word. But they don't do anything with it. And I know some of you who have been here for a while, you're saying, all right, pastor. Like, I get it. You're like, like you've been beating this same drum for the last three weeks. You've been beating this same drum. Hey, you can't just come and be a part of church. You've got to believe these things in your heart. You can't just come. Uh, you know, there's these two roads. Uh, you've heard this the last couple of weeks, and you're saying, Pastor, I get it. I get it. Let me tell you why we are, are, are coming back to the same idea again and again and again. My hope is that God is stirring in your heart. My hope is that when Jesus gives us these warnings about the wide road that many people are on, and the wide road looks like it's a road to heaven, and it's not. My goal is that when you hear these things like Jesus saying, there's going to be some of us that come up to him in heaven. And when he says, why should I lend you into heaven? We point back to all the things we believed and all the things we did. Yeah, Jesus, remember I came to church and I came forward at the altar one day. Yeah, Jesus, remember I, I, I preached and I went on mission trips and I did all these good things. Remember what Jesus said? Depart from me. I do not know you. We don't have a relationship. I hope that when you hear these warnings from Jesus, man, that you're taking heed to these things. That you are, are checking your heart to make sure that your faith is not rooted just in what you know. That your faith is not rooted in what you feel. That your faith is not rooted uh, in what you do, but your faith is rooted in a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want desperately for you to do that. And the question I want you to ask is, do you love knowledge? Do you love hearing about the things of God? Do you love learning about the things of God? And beyond that, is your life actually different because of it? Is your life different because you hear and believe and accept these things? Have you given God control over your life? This is why I'm passionate about this. Because hopefully you're thinking through these things. You're feeling the weight of these things. Man, Jesus is serious about this. I feel that weight. Because what happens, in that moment you feel the weight of that, what happens is we're going to become distracted. What happens is we're going to go and do Sunday of service, and we're going to come back and start talking about Proverbs and wisdom. We're going to be dealing with whole different things. And you're going to forget the weight of what you feel right now. You're going to forget what it feels like to be in the moment, to have the concern of where is my foundation, what is my faith rooted in. In fact, I think this is why many of us miss out on major life change that God has presented before us. Just as an example, a couple years ago I had the chance to go fishing, and it was great. I went fishing, and I caught a fish, and that was awesome. I don't have a ton of patience. So for me to go fishing and catch a fish, like that was rad. It felt so good. And I came home and I told my wife, hey, we're going to go fishing. And I went and bought a fishing pole and a, and a tackle box and all this gear. And I went and I saw, how much is a fishing license? Like 40 bucks? I bought a fishing license. And guess what happened? Summer hit. And my kids wanted to go play baseball. And we went all these different things. And guess how many times I went fishing? Zero times. Right? I got distracted. And when I would think about going fishing later on, like, like yeah, I'd be like, oh yeah, I should probably go fishing. But that passion is gone. 
I'm no longer in the moment. That excitement is gone. Some of you, this is where you've been in life. Where God has given you a vision for a new career. Maybe God has given you uh, uh, courage to, to leave a negative relationship and pursue something that he would want you to be. And in the moment, you feel confident. In the moment, you feel like, man, God, you're going to do this for me. You're going to open these doors. But then what happens is if you don't act upon that, you get distracted. And you just go about life. And pretty soon that passion is gone. Pretty soon that conviction is gone. And you're stuck in the same career. And you don't have any change in your life because you're right back where you were. And you may think back, oh yeah, it would have been great if this would have happened. But you don't have the passion, the excitement to actually do anything about it. And this is why I'm passionate about this. Because it is the same thing in our faith. That we, that we can hear the truth of God and we can be excited about it. But then we get distracted and we don't act upon it. And I said this last week, and it is still true, that it is so dangerous for us to get so close to the truth without actually having the truth. That we can do all these things, that we can look like a Christian and look like we have the truth, but never really embrace the truth in our heart. And that is a dangerous place to be in because we can't see the difference. Because the foundation is underneath. This is why the wise man and the foolish man, man, they look the same. Their houses look the same. They look strong. They look sturdy. There's no signs of weakness in either one of those houses. Man, isn't it true that everyone is a believer when times are good? Everybody's a Christian when God's blessing. Like God's giving you all you want. Man, we cheer for God. I'm on your team, God. The problem is when the storm comes. The problem is when a storm comes, it reveals what is underneath the house. It reveals the foundation. I want you to notice that both these men, the wise and foolish men, both these houses are going to experience a storm. Verse 25, the wise men. It says, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Verse 26, the foolish man, the man who hears these words and didn't put them into action. And it says, and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Notice these storms come on both houses. Doesn't matter which house you're in, life happens. And when the storms come and when things get dark and things get difficult, the, your foundation is going to be revealed. The strength of your foundation will be revealed or your lack of foundation will be revealed as well. Obviously, when we're talking about a storm, I want us to recognize what that looks like in our life. In fact, I've heard it said that there's two different types of people in the world. There are those who are in the middle of a storm. There are those who have the storm coming in front of them. That is the way life works. That storm, that difficulty in life, when life happens, that is a difficult or broken relationship. That is the, the financial crisis you're going through. That is the legal problems that you have in front of you. That is the painful health issues that many of us deal with day in and day out. That is the death of someone that you love. That is the potential of having to face some public embarrassment if you know what gets out. That is when things don't go as planned. All of these things 
These are the storms that reveal where our foundation really is. And just some questions for you to think about. Just some questions for you to think about when life gets hard. When the storms come. When the difficulty is in your life. Do you trust God's wisdom for you when life gets confusing? When life gets confusing and difficult, do you trust God's wisdom in that moment? Do you rely on God's grace when you are weak? When you're feeling overwhelmed, when you're feeling like, I don't know what to do, do you trust and rely on God's grace? Are you able to look past your present heartache and look to God's purpose and God's eternal glory in your life? Can you look past this, this, this scenario you're in right now and look ahead to see, man, God is doing something. God is still present. Even though I'm in this dark time, God is still there. Listen, do you rely on God's grace in times of personal failure? Maybe here's the, the biggest question of all. When the proverbial crap hits the fan in your life, do you run to God rather than away from him? Do you run to God rather than away from him? See, Jesus says the wise man hears God's word and does them. This is a man who, who's built his house on a strong foundation. This is a man who has built his house on the rock. And listen, when the storms of life come, and they're going to come, Jesus says, man, that man has a house who, whose foundation is strong. And that's the house that when the storm's done, that house is still standing strong. That house is still there. And Jesus says, the foolish man, he hears God's word. He likes it. He likes church. But he doesn't actually do it. When the storms come, that house comes crumbling down. In fact, I imagine beneath the rubble of their life's houses, I imagine many people will say, Lord, Lord, what about all these things I did to you? And those scary words from Jesus, I never knew you. You never had a relationship with me. I love this church. I love our city. And I don't want this just to be another sermon that you hear. I don't want this just to be another sermon that you put some notes in your Bible. And you say, I've got to build a foundation on doing God's word. I don't want it just to be another sermon. I want it to be different. In fact, one of the ways that I have found myself as a leader, one of the best ways for me to improve is that I have to learn to evaluate myself. I have to learn and say, okay, where am I at? How can I grow? How can I improve? How can I become stronger? And so this morning, just to ensure that this isn't just another sermon that you hear, I want you to do that. I want you to take a moment. I want you to evaluate your foundation. Hopefully you got one of those evaluation forms when you came in. If you didn't get one of those, would you slip your hand up? We've got a pen and an evaluation form with for you. And, and, and ushers, if you would just help me make sure everybody gets one of these. Just keep your hand up. 
I want to do something different today. I want us to actually evaluate our faith, evaluate our life. Where are we at? Evaluate everything that you have learned in the Sermon on the Mount. All the things that we've talked about in our life groups. All these things that we have learned and heard about. Let's actually evaluate how are we actually doing at putting these things into practice. Because again, what did Jesus say? He said the wise man hears these things and does them and acts upon them. So let's take a moment and let's actually question ourselves and evaluate how am I doing? Am I growing? In the last three months, in the last year, in 2018, am I actually growing in these areas? Listen, this is an evaluation just between you and God. I'm not going to read it. I'm not going to ask you what your score is. This is something I want you to do for yourself. I want you to do this right now. We're going we're gonna to go through these together, and I want you just to write down what's your score. There's a, there's a scale on your form. A one, two, three, four, five. A three would be in the last six months, there's been really no change in my life. A two or a one means, man, I kind of have regressed. I'm not where I was. And a four or five would say, man, I'm growing. I'm putting these things into action. So I want you to go through. I'm going to read these, and I want you to give yourself an evaluation. Number one, Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. So the statement is, I am more spiritually dependent on God and not on myself. How would you grade yourself? How would you evaluate yourself? Give yourself a score. Number two, Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn over their sin. The statement is, I am recognizing and mourning over my sin. How would you evaluate yourself in that regard? Are you recognizing your sin and mourning over it? Number three, Jesus said, blessed are the meek. The statement is, I am gentle and self-controlled. Does that characterize your life right now? Are you growing in that regard? Are you becoming more gentle, more self-controlled, more meek, like Jesus has just called us to? Number four, Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Listen, are you hungering and thirsting more after the things of God and not the things of this world? How would you evaluate yourself on that statement? What are you more passionate about? Number seven, Jesus said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Same it is, I am extending mercy to those in misery. Does that characterize your life? Are you growing in that regard where you are extending grace and mercy to people who are struggling? Or would you say, I'm still critical? I'm still doubting people's motives. I'm not quite there yet. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 8, number 6, he said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. He says, I am living my life without hidden motive or selfish interest. How would you evaluate yourself on that statement? How much of your life is characterized by a selfish motive? Or looking to appear one thing and not truly believing it? Number seven. 
Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. The statement is, I am making situations around me better and not worse. How would you evaluate yourself in the last six months on that statement? Are you making situations around you better? Or are you confusing the problems, making them worse? Number 10. Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Are you standing out for your faith? Are you standing out for your faith in a world that oftentimes is going to ridicule or doubt your faith? Number 10, Jesus talked about murder and hatred in our heart. He said hatred is the same thing. So the, the statement is, instead of hating, I am more forgiving. Is that a statement that would characterize your last six months? That you are more forgiving to people who have crossed you, who have hurt you, who have violated you? Have you sought to make any reconciliation with somebody in the past who you've had a beef between? Evaluate yourself on that. Number 10. Instead of lust, I am honoring my purity. Jesus said it's not just uh, wrong for us to physically commit the act of adultery. But if we have lust in our heart, we are guilty before God. How many of us are still living in that moment of lust? Or have you decided I'm going to pursue purity and fight for purity in my heart? Number 11. Instead of deception, I am speaking the truth. Jesus said, let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Let's be people of integrity. How would you evaluate your last six months on that statement? Are you speaking the truth? Even when you are potentially going to take flack for that? Are you still trying to cover your butt? I just said that in a sermon, sorry. Cover your backside. There we go. Uh, Number 12. I am praying for God's will more than my own will. Jesus gave us this model prayer. That we are to pray for God's will first and foremost. Listen, when you are talking with God, who are you more concerned about? What you want or what God wants? Number 13, Jesus said, you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and and mammon. Statement is, I am less materialistic and more generous. Listen, is that true of your life? Is your heart less about the things of this world and more about being able to to extend grace to those around you and to love them through your resources? Number 14. Jesus talked about anxiety. He said, the statement is, I am worrying less and trusting trusting God more for my needs. Listen, this call to live an anxiety life, it isn't a demand. Jesus isn't saying, you need to stop having anxiety. He's saying, listen, it's an invitation. Come to me. Let me deal with this. So how are you doing in your anxiety? Are you trusting God more and worrying less? The last one, number 15. 
I am judging people less and instead seeking their best interest. Man, just take this evaluation and just consider where you are. Look at your scores. Look at how you evaluated yourself. I'm, gonna ask, I'm not going to ask you where you are. I'm not going to ask you to reveal that. But I want you to be serious about this. And I want you to consider, hey, in the last six months, I've heard a lot of different things. I've heard a lot of great sermons about what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God. But let me actually look at my life and see how much of this I'm actually acting upon. How is my life different because of these things? Have I allowed these things to change the way that I live? Listen, I'll be honest. And if you look at your scores and you're a little disappointed, like, wow, man, I, I, I thought I would have scored higher. I thought I would have been like, like, if that's you, I'm going to say, hey, join my club. Like, that's where I'm at. Like, I wish I could say all these things were fives. Like, there's been this tremendous growth within me. But I want to give you just a little bit of hope. If that's you, if you being honest before God reveals, man, I got some work to do, let me give you a little bit of hope. Think back to that Tower of Pisa. In 1990, that tower closed because it was in danger of toppling over. That 17 feet of lean was causing issues, and they were afraid that people were going to climb up to the top of it, and it would fall over, and people would be hurt, and people would die. So they took a team of architects and engineers, and they took 12 years. They took $25 million to reinforce that foundation. They reduced the tilt by 17 inches, a foot and a half. The tower reopened in 2001, and you can take all 284 steps to the very top of that tower to this day. And they believe that tower should stand for another couple hundred years, even though it's still leaning 15 feet and a few inches. Listen, where you are on that evaluation, here's my goal and my prayer for you. And my prayer for every one of us is that we would shore up that foundation. That we would come back to say, what did Jesus say? About our foundation. Oh, that's right. We actually have to act upon what we have heard. In fact, when we look at the Sermon on the Mount, the Sermon on the Mount isn't about doing more. The Sermon on the Mount is about embracing the gospel and embracing a relationship with Jesus Christ. We said this. Jesus said, this is what I'm calling you to do, to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. And my, my hope for us is that we will shore up our foundation by clinging to the hope in Jesus Christ, not clinging to the hope in ourselves. That we would be a people that, that, that make God a priority. That we'd be serious about the things of God and that our faith would blossom into obedience. That we would hear these things and allow them to change the way that we live. That we would act upon them. That we would look at all these areas that we just read, these 15 questions. And not that we'd be perfect, but that we'd be growing. That we'd be growing in these areas that our life would be changed not from our strength, but from what God is doing inside of us. That God would change us from the inside out because that's the way that God works. Restoration Church, I can't tell you how much I love you. And I want nothing more than for you to build your foundation strong. A foundation that will stand through the storms of life. A foundation that will lead you to eternity in heaven. 
There's three ways for us to respond this morning. Three very simple ways. Number one, my prayer is that you would respond and you would, respend, you would surrender your will and you'd enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Reality of it is, some of you have been around this God thing for long enough. You've been going through the motions. It's time for you to make a decision. Are you ready to, to sell out to this gospel thing? Or you still just want to play games? Games are not the real thing. Games are on the wide road that leads to destruction. And it looks good, but its end is important. My prayer is that you would respond, that you would surrender, and you'd enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because I want nothing more for you than to experience the peace that passes all understanding. Number two, second way to respond. Some of you, you've been following Jesus for a while. And when you look at your evaluation, you realize, man, it's a little stagnant. There's not a ton of growth. And maybe you look at your faith and kind of say, well, you know, maybe I'm, I've kind of plateaued. I'm kind of, I'm kind of stagnant with where I'm at right now. I'm just kind of there. I'm not quite growing. Listen, I'd encourage you as well to listen to the message of the Sermon on the Mount. To re-embrace Jesus just like you did when you first met him. Remember when you were new to your faith? Remember when you were new to Christianity, that excitement you had to be in God's word, that excitement you had to talk to him, the excitement you had to be around God's people, to grow, to, to worship. Listen, if you're looking at your evaluation, you're saying, man, it shows, like, I don't have a ton of growth. Listen, you know what the key for you is? Just to come back to the basics. To come back and say, man, I, I want to love Jesus. I want to be excited for him again. I want to be excited that, that I have a relationship with the living God because of what Jesus Christ has done and come back to the basic elements of our faith. Come back to the fact that God loves you so much that he sent his son to die on the cross in your place so you can have a relationship with him. How can you not be renewed and encouraged to, to, to live your life for him when all what he's done for you? Man, just come back to those basics. Come back to, to what it was like to be new in your faith. To read God's word and be excited to be filled by him. Third response, if you're looking at your evaluation, and you scored off the chart on all of them, off the chart to the right. You scored fives on all of them. You scored really good. Listen, you're growing, you're strong in your faith. Would you just do me a favor and start praying for people in this church? Would you do me a favor and start praying for the people in your life? If you're soaring, if you're growing, if you're off that chart, would you begin to pray that God would begin to, to, to change hearts right here and that God would change the hearts and the lives of the people around you? Would you pray that the gospel is clear and that people would respond to his invitation? To have a relationship with God. I 
Restoration Church, I want nothing more than for us to have a strong foundation. I've been through it. I've been through seasons of life with people. People in the church. People that have followed God for a long time. The storms come. And everything comes crumbling down. And instead of running to God, they run away from Him. My prayer is that we would be a people that have a foundation so deep. Not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus has done. That we would have a faith in who he is, a faith and belief in what he's done for us on the cross, and that truth would change us and would bring about obedience in our life. That we would be a people who don't just hear God's word, who don't just love to hear God's word taught, who don't just love to sing these songs about Jesus, but we'd actually live our lives based on them and allow them to change us. That we would be these things, that we would be uh, uh, more spiritually dependent on God, that we would be people that mourn over our sin, that we would be a people who are gentle and self-controlled, that we'd be a people who are hungering and thirsting, not for the cares of this world that look so good, but the things of God, that we'd be characterized by what Jesus just said on the Sermon on the Mount. Because when I look at my city, and I hope you love your city, I hope you love the city that God has placed us in, it's got its problems. But you know what's going to change our city? A group of people who do this. A group of people who understand it's all about a relationship with Christ. A group of people who hear God's word and say, I'm going to put this into action. And there's something that is so compelling and catching to the world around us, to the city around us, that they're going to say, you know what? I want some of that. That guy's got a peace in the midst of the storm. That guy went through a dark season. And look, his foundation is strong. I want that. Because there is no strong foundation without Jesus Christ.